1280 The Zone and the Zone Sports Network. Hans Olsen, Scott Gerrard. Newest member of the Utah Jazz saw the picture of him signing that contract earlier today. Nigel Williams-Goss, kind enough to join us. Nigel, how are you? Hey, Nigel. Man, I'm doing great. How are you guys? Doing well. How good does it feel when you put pen to paper and write your write your name on there and knowing you're a member of the Jazz? Man, it's, a, it's a dream come true. You know, I think anyone that knows me knows I've been I've been working for this moment my entire life. You know, I've always been a guy with a, a singular focus and uh, haven't really got sidetracked from my goal. Um, like I said, since I was about 10 years old. So uh, for this moment to finally come true, man, it's just uh, it's a surreal moment. You know, obviously the state of Utah remembers you very well with Gonzaga mm-hmm. getting to the national title. They know that, and then they also know you very well being a number 55 draft pick here. What have you done since that 2017 draft and now coming back and resigning? Yeah, it's been, it's been a crazy journey. You know, my, my rookie year I played in Belgrade, Serbia uh, for a, a pretty big club in Partizan. Um, and that really was a, a big stepping stone for me because uh, I really played well and really turned a lot of heads in Europe. Um, and uh, after that season, you know, I was able to make a huge jump uh, to one of the biggest clubs in all of Europe, in Olympiacos in the EuroLeague. Uh, and it was kind of an unheard of jump, um, both, you know, in prestige of club and, you know, salary-wise, making the kind of jump that I did from year one to year two. Um, and, you know, it was just a process, though. You know, I put a lot of work into my game and, uh, really refined a lot of things coming out of college uh, to get me back to this point. How was uh, how was David Blatt as a coach, and what was that uh, what was that relationship like last year? Yeah, I mean it was great playing for a coach who had just came from the NBA. Obviously, he knew that this was my goal was to get back to the league, and um, I felt like having a coach that had uh, a mix of, <clears throat> of both, excuse me, um, of European experience and NBA experience. Um, I knew I, I could learn a lot from him. Um, and I did, you know, I was constantly picking his brain and, um, about both sides, you know, about the European side and about the NBA side and, um, really just spent a year learning from him. Um, and it was a really good experience. Yeah. You were drafted in that same year as Donovan Mitchell and, uh, I, I believe Tony as well, but uh-huh. I, I'm just curious to get your thoughts as, as you were overseas and, and you were playing and performing and, and, and accelerating and, and doing everything you need to do with your career. Have you been able to kind of pay attention to what Donovan's done and how excited are you come back to, to come back and rejoin with him? Yeah, I mean, for sure. You know, it's been no secret. You know, Donovan has played great, you know, these, these two years, his first two years in the league. And, um, you know, I couldn't be more happy for him. Uh, I actually saw him in Belgrade, um, you know, towards the end of uh, both of our rookie years. Um, and he had came out for the Euro League Final Four, and I just congratulated him um, on such an amazing rookie year. And then, obviously, he built on that last year. But, um, you know, both him and Tony have made, you know, huge strides since the day we got drafted. Um, and it's pretty, you know, pretty crazy that all three guys uh, from that draft will not be on the roster next year and uh, kind of get things going again. You know, I know that draft night didn't go the way that you would have wanted to, and you probably right. didn't anticipate leaving Gonzaga and going overseas and playing basketball. Was there – how – was it difficult keeping your spirits up? I mean, I, I hear you talking and you're oozing confidence – how difficult was it to maintain that level of confidence knowing you could get back to the league? Yeah, I think, um, you know, I think, honestly, I think just the support that I got from um, Dennis and the whole staff and the coaching staff while I was over there, you know, it let me know that I wasn't far. You know what I mean? And I think um, that was huge for me is just knowing that, you know, their eyes were still on me and that I wasn't forgotten. Um, and then, again, I think also, you know, guys who have played in the EuroLeague, um, obviously, you know, the Jazz have a ton of guys who have done it. You know, they'll tell you, you know, we see, you know, almost every gym at, you know, tons of our games and stuff like that. So I knew I was playing in front of the decision makers. 
Um, so, you know, there was really no time for me to put my head down. It was just time for me to keep performing. Um, and, you know, year after year, you see guys coming back from Europe to the NBA. So, um, you know, I knew it was very realistic, and I knew I was right there, um, especially, you know, after I signed the deal at Olympiacos. You know, I knew I was headed in the right direction. Take us to that moment where you found out you got the news or you got the call that uh, you'd be signing with the Jazz. Yeah, it was crazy. Um, so I was, I was, I'm out here in L.A. right now. This is where I spend majority of my summer working out. Um, and I was finishing up my second workout of the day. Um, and I had missed two of my agent's calls. You know, he had called me twice. And he usually doesn't call me twice. You know, usually he'll just send, you know, text me and say, hit me back. Um, and I missed his call, so I called him. After work workout, and I said, you know, uh, what's up, G? You know, uh, sorry, I missed your call. And he said, you know, do you have a minute? I said, yeah, I'm just on my way to Chipotle. Um, and so, you know, he kind of he told me that he was in, he had been in talks with Utah over the last, you know, week or so, um, and they had finally uh, got a deal done. And I was just kind of in shock, and he kind of laid it all out for me. Um, and it was pretty, you know, it was a pretty cool moment. You know, my mom was in the car with me. Uh, my nephew was in the back seat. Um, and, you know, my family has been on this journey with me from day one, so for them to kind of hear in live time uh, me getting the news is pretty awesome. Nothing like celebrating a new contract with a little Chipotle, right? <laughs> yeah, exactly. Perfect. <laughs> makes, Perfect make, makes it taste a little – that pork's a little bit more tender. At that point, you hear you get a contract, you're like, you know, maybe we'll go get a steak right now. Maybe we <laughs> – Yeah, no, no. I, I, I told my mom, I said, don't worry, I'll pay for the bowl. Just <laughs> How nice is that? Yeah. You know, it, it's interesting, though, and I read this story, Aaron Falk uh, – had a, had a great conversation with you as well because a lot of times I'm sure guys go to Europe and they don't know what their future is going to be hold, but the Jazz were in contact with you almost nonstop over the last couple of years, it sounds like. Yeah, like I said, I mean, even um, even this past year, you know, Dennis, um, and I think, I don't know if Justin was with them at the time when Dennis came out, but, but Dennis came and visited me in Greece and, uh, you know, we went to dinner and kind of talked about everything. Um, and then obviously, you know, uh, Smitty, um, and the rest of the overseas, you know, scouting team was always over both in Belgrade and in Athens. Um, and, you know, we were always going to dinner and stuff like that anytime they were in Europe for a, a recruiting trip. So, uh, again, I mean, just the support that they showed me, um, you know, I, I know is special. And, and I thank them for it. You know, I think I told them after my rookie year, I said, look, if I never come back and play for you guys um, again, you know, I, I just appreciate the support you guys have given me. Um, you know, obviously it's great that, you know, it did work out, but, um, man, I, I know that, you know, not every NBA organization um, just would have been so consistent with their support and their attention to detail um, with some of the players overseas. You know, Nigel, we talk about a lot of these players. We see a lot of BYU players or a couple have left early and headed over to Europe and they're playing the game there. And we've seen some players come back from Europe and enter into the NBA. What's what's going to be one of the most difficult things to transition Europe back into NBA, uh, the, some of the differences of the game and what you feel like you're going to have to transition from? Yeah, I mean, I think, you know, obviously the game is very different. I would say, uh, you know, just the, the rules, obviously, you know, I think the biggest rule difference between the two is the defense of three seconds. I think that just – that in the three-point line. And I think, you know, in the NBA having no uh, – I mean, having a, a defense of three seconds and, and a, a further three-point line, it really spreads the floor. You know, Europe is, is so congested, and you got, you know, you still got the traditional 72 centers, you know, parked in the paint. Um, so, you know, it makes things tough to get down there, and you really got to, you know, find other ways to be effective. And, you know, a lot of that comes from the outside and, and mid range and stuff like that. Um, but it's just going to be a different game. You know, I, I can't say, you know, I mean, obviously the talent level in the NBA is second to none, but 
um, you know, with those rules in Europe, it makes it really difficult to play. Um, so I think it's just going to be an overall different game. And then obviously adjusting to the new role, you know, I, I don't know what that's going to be. Um, but, I mean, my first two years in Europe, obviously, you know, I, I led my team in minutes, um, you know, the last two seasons. So obviously playing less minutes than I did, um, you know, the last two seasons will be will be new for me. And I just kind of got to learn to adjust to whatever the role is going to be. What uh, what have you improved on? You talk about you know getting better over the last couple of years. What about your game specifically? Have you felt like has improved over the last two years? Um, I mean, one, I think just um, just dealing with you know staying poised under you know defensive pressure. You know, I think that's a big thing in Europe. You know, you don't get to walk the ball to half court and, and get into your offensive set. You know, guys are picking up full court um, nonstop, and, and it's really physical. So I think just being able to deal with that, you know, sort of pressure and still be, you know, efficient on the offensive end, making good decisions, you know, finding the right people um, that I need to find, I think has been huge. And then, um, like I said, I think with the rules in Europe, I think just being able to develop my jump shot, um, you know, it forced me to do that, um, you know, and really take that to the next level. And I feel really good, you know, where that's at. And, and I know I can, you know, be a floor spacer on the floor. So um, I would say those two areas and then, just maturing, you know, I think just becoming a pro, um, you know, and, and, and understanding, you know, the business side of things and, you know, you're going to have the ups and downs and stuff like that. And I just think, you know, mentally, um, you know, I'm in a different place than I was two years ago. Nigel, we talked to a lot of BYU fans and obviously the BYU basketball team is in that West Coast conference with Gonzaga. And I, I, I want to know from you, how does Gonzaga, Coach Few, and that group do it year in and year out? I'm talking Final Fours, Elite Eights, and West Coast Conference Championships. What are they doing that's that's uh, so good that that's continuing to dominate in that conference? Yeah, I mean, I think it's just, you know, they have a blueprint that, that they know works, you know, and I think they're just so consistent with their work ethic. Um, you know, and then, you know, on top of that, they bring guys in there with the right mindset that want to work, that want to get better. And when you have an overall culture where the players want to improve, the coaches are, you know, 100% in on developing the players. And then with their offensive defensive schemes, you know, that has, you know, been proven to be successful. Uh, I just think it makes for a, a very dangerous mix. And that's kind of why you've seen the consistent, like you said, results no matter – you know, they're, they're different style of teams. Some teams have been guard-dominated. Some have been big-dominated. Uh, but, you know, they find the same success. But I, I think it's just because of the culture uh, that Coach Stu and those guys have, have created. So we've got a couple guys here on staff that uh, played overseas uh, in Europe, in Italy, and in Spain, and a couple other countries. And uh, they were talking about how, you know, they'd be sitting at a uh, free-throw line, and all of a sudden some dude would hurl a battery at him or a Corona bottle. <laughs> Uh, what was that transition like? Because I know things get a little crazy over there in Europe. Yeah, and again, I think that just goes, like I said, to you know, uh, you know, just being mentally at a different level. Uh, like you say, you see some crazy stuff over there. You know, whether it's you know flares being lit off, or like you said, things getting thrown on the court, or uh, you know, I mean, just anything you could think of crazy um, happens over there, and um, you know, it really does prepare you for anything. You know, if you can deal with crowds like that. Um, obviously you can do with anything. So uh, it's definitely another world, but it's fun, man. I I can tell you being a competitor, you know, it's really what you live for. You know, in the EuroLeague last year, there was only 16 teams. So you played a a 30-game season. um, And every game you're playing to try to qualify for the playoffs, you know, you you can't throw away anything. So every possession, every game is, man, like a national championship game. And 
um, it really brings out the best in everybody. So I, I know that you're obviously on the roster. You're going to be playing with this group, but I know that you were sitting back and probably saw the Mike Conley move and the Jazz acquire him. What what was your initial thought when you saw Mike Conley joining up with this Jazz roster? You know, and and I don't know where you were with what you knew at that point, but what did you think about the Mike Conley addition? Yeah, I was uh, again. I was uh, honestly like I was just kind of watching. Um, as a fan perspective, at that point, you know, I hadn't had any information about me coming back or anything like that. Um, and I thought it was a great addition. You know, I, I've always been a huge fan of, of, of Mike Conley's game. You know, I felt like you know, he's always been one of the more underrated players in the league. And, you know, being a guy that has always felt like I've been, you know, underrated a lot of my career, you know, I've appreciated the way, you know, Conley has went about his business and, and produced his entire career. So um, I thought it was a huge pickup for them. Um, you know, I think it'll definitely take the load off, off Donovan, um, you know, and all of us young guys can learn from, you know, such a veteran, um, you know, leader like him. So I think it was a really big pickup, uh, you know, for the team for sure. Nigel, congratulations, man. Uh, excited for you. Excited to get you back here and uh, look forward to seeing what this team can do next year. Man, thank you so much for having me. I, I couldn't be more excited. That's great. You got it. Nigel Williams-Goss right here on 97.5, 1280 of the Zone.